a great day today. Uh, it was pretty warm. And uh, I went out for a little bit of a walk, and um, a, a little bit being the operative word. And uh, but um, nice that you get your cool breeze in the afternoon, which is awesome. Uh, if you want your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis uh, chapter eight. Genesis chapter eight. If you don't know where to find it, it's kind of like table of contents. Genesis, Genesis chapter eight, uh, and uh, going to be reading uh, verses one to twelve. Genesis eight, uh, one to twelve. Uh, And it says this, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the orders were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him any more. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us, to do, help us to know what to do in those in-between seasons. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, I preached a message called What to Do When You're in a Place Where You Don't Want to Be and talked about how as Christians, there are times in our life like in-between seasons and times when we're actually waiting. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says this, that the promises of God are inherited through faith and patience. So not just faith, but actually patience as well. So that means that when God gives us a promise, there are times when we have to wait for it, and we actually have to wait longer sometimes uh, than what we expect. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So what that means is that there's a period of time between when you start hoping for something until it becomes substance, till you can actually see it between the time when it becomes, when it goes from being unseen until it actually becomes evident. There's always those periods of time. And so this morning I talked about what to do when you're in a place where you don't want to be. But tonight I want to talk about what to do when you're waiting on a promise. Because who knows that when God gives you a promise, we sometimes have to wait a long time until it comes to pass. And it's in those in-between times where discouragement can come in. It's in those in-between times and we can actually make some mistakes and sometimes even abort our promise. And so today, I want to, tonight, I want to talk to, to you about what to do when you're waiting on a promise from God. The reason why I'm picking Genesis chapter 8 is it's the story about, uh, a portion of the story about Noah and the ark. And so what had happened was that God had said he's going to send rain on the earth, but he's going to send Noah. And so he actually told Noah to build an ark, and it was something that had never been built before, and it took him a long time to build it. There'd been no floods before that, and so I can imagine for all those years that he was building it, people were saying to him, what are you building? He says, I'm building an ark. And they're like, what's that? 
He's like, I don't know. And it just kept on building. And then eventually the time came. He, he and two of every kind of animal went on the ark. And the Bible says they got on the ark and then God closed the door. And then the heavens opened and the rain came down. And it was such a heavy rain that it actually destroyed the face of mankind, except for, all, except for those that were with him, his, uh, that his family and himself that were actually on the ark. And so we pick up the story where actually he's on the ark and now it had actually stopped raining. So all he could see is flood water. And yet he's just waiting for the fulfilment of God's promise where he can actually come back to where he can actually come back onto dry ground and rebuild his life. Could you imagine being on this ark with all those animals? Could you imagine the lack of ventilation? You're sitting there and you're worried, you've got an eye out, you've got to cheap keep the pythons away from the chickens. You've got to separate the cats and the dogs and you've got to deal with all this stuff. And in the meantime, every day you're looking out and all you can see is the horizon. And you can imagine that he's sitting there maybe wondering what, you know, he's in that in-between time, the time between God makes a promise and when it actually fully comes to pass. From this story, we can prophetically look at it and see there's a couple of things that happen there that can be guides for every single one of us that can help us on that time when we're in that in-between time between when God actually makes us a promise and when it actually comes to pass. So I want to talk to you tonight about three things you should do when you're waiting on a promise from God. The first thing uh, is actually this. Bible says in Genesis 8 verse 7, Noah's on the ark. And then it says, Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth but it never actually returned to him. So here he is and he wants to know. He can't see if the waters had receded. All he could see is water and the horizon. He had no point of reference to show him if the waters had gone down or not. And so then he sends out a raven, but the raven actually never comes back. Prophetically speaking, the raven actually represents the flesh. The Bible says that the prophet Elijah had pronounced a drought one time. And the Bible says that ravens came to him with meat in their mouths, flesh in their mouths, and fed him that way. The raven actually represents the flesh. So the first thing when you're waiting on a promise from God is you can't trust your flesh. You can't actually trust your flesh. You can't always trust your emotions in that period of time. Because very often when you're waiting on a promise, it's amazing how often your flesh wants to, is interested in self-preservation, how your flesh wants to try and push and try and force God's promise. But there's actually times in the Scripture where it tells us when people didn't have enough patience and actually affected their lives. Classic example of this is Abraham and Sarah. God had promised Abraham that he was going to have an heir. He was going to have a son. And he and his wife had been unable to produce any children. And they had been waiting for decades. Eventually, his wife had had enough and they tried to force God and she tried to force God's promise. So she said to Abraham, she said, listen, obviously, I'm not going to create this child for you. So why don't you actually create a child with my maidservant? Why don't you father a child through her? And so that's what actually happened. And, they fa- and he fathered a child through his maidservant. But who knows that wasn't God's will that actually he created further problems for himself down the line because actually God's will was that he would actually have a child with his own wife. But because of his impatience and trying to force the issue, he actually acted inappropriately while he's waiting on a promise from God. We need to understand that when it comes to waiting on a promise from God, you can't trust your flesh. Your flesh is only interested in self-preservation. Your flesh is only interested in having your will come to pass. And there are times when we actually just cannot trust our flesh. 
That even goes for things such as waiting on a life partner or a spouse or something like that. You know, I, I love the story about um, when God had, had did the first hookup, Adam and Eve. And uh, the Bible said he created Adam, but he didn't actually have, uh, but he, you know, he didn't create a wife for him at that time. And so the Bible says that Adam uh, was, had a perfect work with God, but he was actually still lonely. And God said to him, Adam, it's not good that you be alone. Interestingly enough, that's, that's a powerful scripture because this actually happens before sin enters the world. So what that means is Adam had a perfect unbroken relationship with God, but he still had a level of loneliness. What that tells me, it's natural to desire to have a partner for your life. There's actually nothing wrong with you. Some people try and lie about it sometimes and say, try and get so spiritual. I remember talking to one girl and she said to me, she goes, I don't need a man. The Lord, he's my husband. And I said, I'll just be quiet. You're as desperate as everyone else. And the reality is, there's actually nothing wrong with having that desire. And so God says to Adam, Adam, it's not good that man should be alone. And then the Bible says he actually went and got created the animals and brought them past Adam to see what he would call them. So Adam had not seen a woman and then God brought past him, said he was going to create a, a perfect match for him and then brought past the animals. It was a little bit like this. God says to Adam, Adam, it's not good that you be alone. I'm going to make a helper comparable to you. Imagine Adam sitting, going, sitting there going, awesome, I can't wait. And God goes off into the corner. Brings out a chicken. What do you reckon, Adam? Oh, um, nice chick, but not for me. <laughs> no worries, wait there. Goes off in the corner. Moo. Moo. What do you reckon, Adam? Oh, she's a bit of a cow. No worries, wait there. Woof. What? You know where this is going, huh? <laughs> the Bible said that God brought the, all the animals past him. My question is this. What if Adam had to succumb to his flesh and not exhibited patience? What would have happened if God said, Adam, I'm going to make a helper comparable to you. Wait there. He goes off to the corner, brings out a fox. Adam looks and goes, oh, check out the fox. He starts chatting her up. Hey, baby. Your daddy must have been a thief. He stole the stars and put them in your eyes. For you, baby, I'd change the alphabet and put you and I together. Hey, baby, sit down. Your feet must be tired because you've been running through my mind all day. <laughs> I just saw someone go running through my mind. <clears throat> well, what would have happened? Well, aside from all the biological consequences, Adam would have missed his perfect match. He had this desire, 
but he still had to rein it in because it wasn't actually God's promise. And in the same way, when God gives us a promise, there are times we can't succumb to our flesh. Our flesh is driven to self-preservation. Our flesh is driven to selfish ambition. And there are times we just have to hold back just a little bit longer and not allow our flesh to drive us out of the will of God. He trusted in the raven and it never came back. We can't trust our flesh when we're waiting on a promise from God. The second thing uh, that we need to do is this. Uh, Genesis 8, 8 and 9 says this. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned into the ark to him for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. So the raven represents the flesh. The dove represents the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that when Jesus was being baptised in the River Jordan, heaven opened, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. So the second thing is this. Number one, you can't trust your flesh. But number two, when you're waiting on a promise, you can trust the Holy Ghost. That actually God will fulfil His actual promise to you. That it's in those times that you're waiting, it's important to go to the presence of God. It's important to spend time with Him. One of the things I've learnt is this that very often just in those moments where I'm waiting and I'm waiting for God to fulfill His promise to me, there's times where He just keeps coming back and just keeps coming back and reminding me of actually what He actually said. The Bible says that uh, Noah sent the dove out and just like the raven, it couldn't find a place to rest, but instead of continuing out, it actually came back to him. Then he sent the dove out again and next time it came back with an olive branch in its mouth. The third time he sent the dove out and it never came back. When you're waiting on a promise, one of the things I find is this, that God will continually come back to you in that time and just remind you and reinforce that he is a promise keeper and he actually fulfills his promises to you. If I could be honest uh, with what's happened with us and moving to the Gold Coast and taking on King's Church, it's actually the fulfilment of a number of long-awaited promises. Back in 1997, I was, uh, sorry, 1995, I remember I was at church in Melbourne and one day I went to the, I was at an altar call and as I was there, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Temple Gym, Temple Gym. Remember thinking myself, Temple Gym, you know, and it's like Temple Gymnasium. And I thought, am I supposed to start back then, believe it or not, I was getting involved in the fitness industry. And, um, and I was thinking about, I thought, am I supposed to start a gym called Temple Gym? I forgot about it. I actually went to Bible college. Whilst I was in Bible college in, uh, in about 1998, remember one time I was praying and uh, at the Bible college, we would have a room downstairs underneath the dormitories. We call it the Sons of Thunder room. Uh, no, it wasn't the bathroom. It was actually a place where us guys would go and pray at nine o'clock every night. Remember one night I was down there and I was praying and I just had this full on open vision and I just saw palm trees and I saw the words Gold Coast. I wrote down in my diary, God sending me to the Gold Coast. But then like two years later, I went from Sydney and went to Mackay. When I got to Mackay, I saw palm trees and I thought, oh, maybe this is what God was talking to me about. A few years after that, we moved down to Brisbane to start Planet Shakers College. And I remember I was at one of the, uh, at the AOG State Pastors Conference on Caloundra. I woke up in the hotel one morning and the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to pastor a church called Kings. And I remember at the time, there was a church on the Sunshine Coast called Kings, pastored by a guy named Steve Penny. And I thought, am I supposed to go up to him and tell him I'm taking over his church? (laughs) 
And I thought, I don't think that's going to work with that guy. And so, and then, uh, and then a couple of years after that, uh, it got taken over by Calvary. And I thought, oh, well, I got that wrong. In the meantime, another friend of ours, Robin Stevenson, she's the wife of Sanjay Stevenson, they're missionaries in India, great friends of ours. She came up to me, she said, I was dreaming. She said, I had a dream that you were pastoring a church called King's. And I said to her, well, you've obviously been having too much pizza, uh, too much cheese late at night, and you've obviously, you know, missed it. But then last year, uh, uh, sorry, in 2017, towards the end of it, we got invited to take over a church called Kings on the Gold Coast. And so now we've moved down there. I remember when I first moved down there, I was driving around Varsity Lakes, and as I was driving around Varsity Lakes, I saw a sign, and it was for Temple Gym. And I thought... I guess I better join it. So I signed up and eventually one day I'll actually go. But the thing is this. <laughs> All that time, over 20-something years, every so often, every few years, he'd come back to me and remind me of something that he said. In the midst of time, I, was there, I had a level of confusion. I didn't know what was going. And every so often, the dove had come back and remind me of what he actually said to me. And now it feels like we're in the very centre of God's will and plan and purpose for our life. Tonight, as I'm speaking to you, some of you are getting pictures and are being reminded of things that God has said to you in the past. That's the dove coming back. In fact, today, tonight, today, tonight, I'm really just a dove. I'm just actually being the dove myself. And here to remind you that when God tells you something, it's actually going to come to pass. That our God is a promise keeper and you can trust the Holy Ghost. When you're waiting on a promise from God, you can't trust your flesh, but you can trust the Holy Ghost. I remember when we started Planet Shakers College in Brisbane, there were so many times I wanted to run away before it started. There were so many times I actually wanted to stop it. I moved down to Brisbane to start the Bible College in the middle of 2005. We're going to start at the start of 2006. I went down there and found out we actually had no resources. We had nothing. Didn't even have a course. And later that year in about November, I went over to Perth to a Bible College in Perth called Planet Shakers College, uh, Planet Shakers College Perth. I went over there and, uh, and it was terrible because I realised how far behind the eight ball we were going to be. And I remember thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. We're supposed to start in February. I may as well just, you know, call this whole thing off. And I, was, I picked up the phone. I was going to ring Paul Geerling, who was my boss at, at the time. And I was going to say to him, listen, this is crazy. Why don't we just hold off for, a few, for another 12 months so we can prepare ourselves, you know, properly. As I picked that up, picked up the phone, I had a, pro, I had a text message from a mate of mine, a pastor named John O'Kerridge, who I hadn't seen in a while. And he said, Ben, I was praying for you this morning. And I felt God say that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He'll leave you adequately resourced for everything he's called you to do. So I put it down. And my flesh was going crazy. Stop. Run away. This is ridiculous. I remember Planet Shakers Conference was in Brisbane in January. We're starting in February. I still didn't even have a course. I'm walking around South Bank. And I'm just saying, God, what's going on? Everything in me just wanted to run away. And my flesh is saying, get out of here. This is going to be an absolute disaster. But each time I felt like that, there'd be some kind of reminder. There'd be something where God comes back and speaks to me and he says, no, 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 keep on going. I'm here to let you know, if you want to live the faith life, you can't trust your flesh, but you can trust the Holy Ghost. You can trust the Holy Spirit. When he tells you something, it's actually going to come to pass. And the third thing, 
The third thing that you should do when you're waiting on a promise. It says in Genesis chapter 8, 10 to 11, it says, Noah waited yet another seven days. And again, he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So here's Noah. All he can see is water. No point of reference. He can't tell if it's receding or not. Sends out the dove, comes back. Sends out the dove again, but this time it comes back with an olive leaf in its mouth. And it was at that moment that he knew that the waters had receded below the tree line. He could not see it from where he was. But somewhere outside of his line of sight, you could tell that the waters had receded. He couldn't see anything. But outside of his line of sight, God was still working. The third thing you need to keep in mind when you're waiting on a promise is that when you're not looking, God's still working. That if even you can't see anything happening, I'm here to let you know that God is still working on your behalf, still actively working to see His promise come to pass. There's been so many times where God has fulfilled a promise for me and it was only at that point that I realised and found out that He was working on our behalf the whole time, that He was somewhere outside of my line of sight, even though I couldn't see it, God was still moving and working. I've seen that happen a few times when it comes to the salvation of some of my family members. That I've had been praying for them and seen like, and it felt like nothing was actually happening without realising outside of my line of sight, God was still working. A number of years ago when I was at Bible college in the late 90s, a friend of mine contacted me who I hadn't seen for a while and I used to go to high school with her. And she said, Ben, I've been having this dream about your sister. And I said, right. And I said, what's the dream? She said, I saw your sister standing up in front of a crowd of people worshipping God. I said, well, that's not my sister. (laughs) I said, she's as far away from that as you can get. And she said, Ben, I haven't seen your sister since high school. I've had the same dream every night. I've been seeing that that your sister's going to stand, standing in front of people worshipping God. I believe God said he's going to save your sister. And so I took that as a promise from God and I started praying for her. And as I was praying for her, I couldn't see any difference in her life. In fact, in many ways, she got worse. She was living in Melbourne and we were, I was living in Sydney and, and, uh, uh, and then we moved from Sydney and went to Mackay and I was still praying for her, got married and then we had our firstborn son. And so it was like seven years after we actually, I'd been given that prophecy and still I couldn't see any change in her life and she was still completely hard to the things of God. And I remember uh, one time my wife and I, we went down to Melbourne on holidays and, and we had our newborn son, our oldest son, Amos, but he was a baby at the time. And we went down to Melbourne on holidays and it was a Sunday and we decided, we said, okay, we'll go to church and we thought we'd go to Planet Shakers. And, and my wife said to me, she said, we should invite your sister. I said, mate, my sister's not going to want to come. She'll have no interest. And she said, she, and my wife said, she will if we tell her we wanted to look after the baby while we're there. And I said, that's brilliant. So I went over to my sister. I said, hey, we're going to church tonight. Would you like to come? She goes, no. And we said, listen, could I said, look, we need someone to look after Amos while we're there. She goes, oh, okay. And I thought, awesome. We got her in the car. We drove to church. We got to church. She's holding Amos during the praise and worship. We're just sitting down in the back. Towards the end of the praise and worship, my wife leaned over and she said to me, now 
grab Amos out of her arms and take him into the foyer so she's got to stay to listen for, to the preaching. I said, that's brilliant. So I reached over. I grabbed the baby. I said, look, it's all, I've got him from here. I grabbed him, took him out in the foyer. I thought, awesome. She's trapped. <laughs> she can't go anywhere. And then it was like unbelievable. The speaker who was a guy uh, you may have heard of, a guy named Mal Fletcher, and he was preaching on a topic that I you never hear anyone preach about. It was on the topic of celebrity and how in our Western society, everyone wants to be a celebrity, how futile it was. And it was amazing because at the time, my sister was the lead singer of an R&B group that had a top five single in Australia. And I thought to myself, this is amazing. Like this is, div- this is the day of salvation. This is like a divine appointment. And then after the service, we came out and we hopped in the car and I thought that was great. I didn't see what happened at the altar call. And I said to my sister, I said, so how'd you lie at church? She goes, oh, not really. I said, what do you mean? She goes, oh, it just wasn't my thing. And I thought, oh, the dream is gone. I thought, if she's not going to give her life to Christ, her life to Christ in that environment, it'll never happen. So, so I stopped praying for her. A few months later, I get a phone call at home. It's my sister. First miracle, because she never calls me. She said, Ben, is that you? I said, yeah. What's wrong? And then she just started crying. Second miracle because she never showed emotion. I said, what's wrong? She said, oh, I'm just ringing you up um, to let you know um, that I, you know, I, you were really mean to me growing up and uh, I've had a lot of resentment towards you over the years. So I'm just ringing you up to let you know that I forgive you. And I said, yes, no, I wasn't a nice brother. Thank you for forgiving me. Um, now, where'd you hear all this? Because this sounds very Christian. And she goes, oh, well, we've been talking about forgiveness in my discipleship group. I said, discipleship group? <laughs> what discipleship group? She goes, oh, the discipleship group at my church. I said, church? <laughs> what church? And she goes, oh, it's this ACC church I found on the internet. I said, I said I'm an ACC pastor. She got saved and her life was transformed. Later on that year, we were back in Melbourne and my, sister, um, and, and my sister said to us one morning, she goes, you want to come to our church this morning? I said, sure. We go there, I'm sitting down the back and during the whole service, I'm just weeping. And I love to say it was the presence of God, but it was more than that. Standing on the stage was my baby sister, hands raised, worshipping God, leading people in worship. And I'm sitting down the back saying, God, you're a promise keeper. I couldn't even see it. I couldn't see any difference. From all I could see, nothing was happening. But outside of my line of sight, God was still working. I'm going to let you know that for some of you, God's given you a promise and it looks like nothing is happening. I'm here to let you know if all you can see is water, somewhere outside of your line of sight, your promise is coming to pass. Same thing happened with my cousin John. My cousin John was, he grew up, his dad died young and his dad was training to be in the ministry and my cousin was really anti the things of God and, and he got married and, and his wife then gave her life to Christ and she was always praying, say, God, you've got to give me a Christian husband and, and nothing in his life looked to change. In fact, there's times when I would go and meet him down in Melbourne and he would occasionally chip me or, or mock me and that sort of thing and from all I could see, nothing was going on. He had a complete hardness and resistance to the gospel. One day I noticed that I had a missed call from John. Thought he must have pocket dialed me. My name's Ben and often people pocket dial me because I'm near the top of their index. And 
And so I just rang him up and he answered. And I said, hey, mate, did you call me? He goes, yeah, I did. I said, what's wrong? He goes, nothing. He goes, I got saved. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, I got saved. I gave my life to Christ. I said, when'd you do that? He goes, two weeks ago. I said, why are you telling me now? He goes, well, this weekend the Holy Ghost got me. I said, what do you mean? He goes, he got me. The Holy Ghost got me. I said, what happened? He goes, I can't explain it. He goes, why didn't you tell me about the Holy Ghost before? I said, would you have believed me? He goes, oh, no, probably not. (laughs) He got saved, gave his life to Christ, transformed. From all I could see, all I could see was water. But outside my light of sight, God was doing something. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but there's someone here, you were discouraged, you had a promise, you're about to let it go, and God just sent me here tonight to go. (laughs) 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 To remind you that even if you can't see it, you can't figure it out, God is still working. Amen? Praise God. Every one of us at some point have to wait on a promise from God. With their inherited through faith and patience. Said this morning, sometimes the word patience is, another word is used, is called long-suffering. Sometimes you've got to suffer a long time before God's promises come to pass. And there's some people here and your promise was about to fly away. And I'm just here to let you know that when you're waiting on a promise from God, you cannot trust your flesh. Your flesh is only interested in self-preservation. But you can trust the Holy Ghost. And in those moments where you feel like you're about to let go, He'll come back and remind you and re-inject you with faith and hope to remind you of what He said. And you need to keep telling yourself that even if you can't see Him working, God is still moving. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Worship team, will you come? And so tonight, I just felt, that God is going to inject some faith and some hope into people's hearts. That literally some promises that were dead and buried, God's about to hold into your, bring back to life in your heart right now. You know, um, when God first spoke to me about what I'm doing now, it was like 23 years ago, 24 years ago. And that was just one of the promises. There's other promises he makes and they can take a lot quicker and that sort of thing. But I just felt for some people here that for 2019, it's going to be a year of long-awaited promises coming to pass. Promises that you'd let go, promises that you'd given up on, promises you thought that there's no way it's ever going to happen, that actually in 2019, God is going to bring it back to life. You might be here and saying, my promise looks dead and it looks buried. But I'm here to let you know we serve a resurrection God who actually can bring those promises back to life. And so what I want us to do now is this. I actually just want us to worship Him in faith. We worship Him and give Him a sacrifice of praise. There's some people here you've gotten actually gotten a bit heart sick. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And sometimes when you're reminded of a promise that's gone or is not, hasn't worked out the way that you thought, we can get a little bit heart sick and we don't feel like worshipping God. But it's in those times when you actually need to worship God the most. It's actually called a sacrifice of praise. There's times when we can dwell on things and they can actually make us feel weighed down and discouraged. But the Bible says we put on the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. 
We praise Him in spite of our circumstances, in spite of our waiting, in spite of those desires yet coming to pass. We worship Him in the meantime all the way through to the fulfilment. And so in just a moment, we're going to worship Him. And in just a moment, we're going to praise Him. And for some people, you're going to give Him all your praise. You're going to lift your hands to full extension. You're actually going to lift your voice. And as you do that, some of the heaviness and the discouragement is going to leave. And you're going to leave this place with hope and faith and an anticipation for good things coming to pass in your life in 2019. But before we do, maybe there's some people here that you are here tonight and you have never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ or you once did and you walked away. And the whole reason why you're here tonight is because you're searching. You're searching for purpose. You're searching for meaning. You're searching for reality. Well, I'm here to let you know that you're actually in the right place. That when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says He died on the cross, took the punishment for our sin so that our sins could be forgiven. And it means that we can then be made right with God. We get to go to heaven after we die, which is awesome. But even more than that, because He's a living God, we can have a relationship with Him right here, right now on this earth. And so if you're here tonight and you've not given your life to Christ or you once did and you walked away, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so. So can I ask every eye to close and every head to bow right now? And, you're, and if you're in this place and you're saying, Ben, I've, I've, I want to give my life to Christ tonight. I want to have a relationship with God. There's no need to try and clean yourself up to do that. Come as you are and He will clean you up. He will heal you. He will forgive you. He will set you free. So if that is you tonight and you haven't given your life to Christ, but you want to, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you, just right where you are, slip up your hand tonight and say, that's me tonight. I want to give my life to Christ tonight. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to give my life to Him. If that is you, right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me tonight. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to have a relationship with God. Secondly, maybe you're hearing, as I was speaking, God was reminding you of an old promise, an old promise which looked dead and buried. And there was a quickening associated with it. You just sense that God is going to do something with it. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. God reminded me of an old promise tonight. He reminded me of something He once said that has not come to pass and I'd forgotten about it and He's brought it back to my remembrance. If that is you right where you are, just slip up your hand and say, that's me tonight. God has reminded me of an old promise. Father, I just pray for these people with their hands raised and I ask and I thank You, Lord God, that when You say something, it's going to come to pass. For You, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day, Lord God. But I know, Lord, that if You make us a promise, even after if it's longer than what we wanted, that you'll bring that thing to pass. And I pray, Lord, for 2019. May 2019 be a year where long-awaited promises actually come to pass in people's lives in this church. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand to your feet? Would you lift your hands? Let's worship Him in this place. For some of you, it's gonna be a sacrifice of praise. When we praise Him, His presence comes. In His presence is fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. His presence is here. He wants to touch you. He wants to fill you. He wants to breathe new life into you tonight. He's an awesome God.